June 1969. A man was practicing flying a strange-looking contraption, an awkward-looking, dangerous, and difficult-to-fly machine, not practical for traveling from Los Angeles to London. Inside was a primitive computer that didn't work very well, and when it failed, the pilot took over. No matter, it was going to crash. A month later, this same pilot would be in a similar contraption on one of mankind's most daring adventures, and there would be no room for error. On July 16, 1969, our daring pilot and two others sat atop a huge firecracker, waiting to blast off from the face of the earth. If successful, this six million pound, 36-story colossus of fire and thunder would take three men on a trip one quarter of a million miles away. Destination, the moon. Most things went remarkably well over the next few days, but not everything. Only later did we learn the details of how close to disaster Apollo 11 had come. I'll be right back to give you the rest of the story of man's first landing on the moon, so keep watching. Warm welcome to all of you joining me today on Tomorrow's World. And if you're joining us for the first time, I hope you will become a regular viewer of Tomorrow's World. July 16, 1969 was a day for the history books as three men blasted off from Kennedy Space Center at Cape Canaveral, Florida. Destination, the moon. Four days later, following a number of times circling the moon, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin gave farewell and separated from Mike Collins in the command module and began their descent in the lunar module. From 12 miles up, Armstrong and Aldrin raced across the face of the moon and began falling toward its surface. But such a bold adventure was fraught with many dangers and all did not go as planned. From several thousand feet above the surface, we pick up the story from science writer Rod Pyle, who explained how tenuous the landing was. Apollo 11 was four minutes into its landing sequence when the terse words of its commander, Neil Armstrong, came from the speaker in mission control. Program alarmed. Buzz Aldrin to Armstrong in the descending lunar module stared at the frozen display on the computer which read, 1202. It was an error code, but for what? Controllers in Houston scanned their notes trying to figure out what the problem was. But time was running short. Give us a reading on the 1202 program alarm. Armstrong said. He sounded tense, but no more so than during the simulations. It was hard to grasp that a life or death struggle was playing out 240,000 miles, that's 386,000 kilometers from Earth, and a small, fragile machine descending rapidly to the moon. Communications were spotty. The computer was threatening to quit, and Gene Kranz, the flight director for this first lunar landing,
felt mission control slip a bit further behind the power curve. The alarm meant that the computer could not handle the data it was being fed. Few people viewing the landing understood the urgency of the matter. Landing a lunar module has been described as attempting to land a Boeing 747 from the passenger compartment. Armstrong already demonstrated how to crash a lunar lander only a month earlier when he ejected at the last instant and floated safely to the Earth. But on the moon, that was not an option. It was all or nothing. There could be no rescue. This was no longer practice or simulation. The crew was facing a serious danger. As Krantz related to Pyle several decades later, we would either land on the moon, we would crash attempting to land, or we would abort, he said simply. The final two outcomes were not good. And Pyle added, that is an understatement on a grand scale. This wasn't the only problem. The landing site was strewn with large boulders, and an alternate site had to be found and found quickly. Fuel was running precariously low. No one knows for sure, but the 30-second warning already sounded, and our brave astronauts clearly had only seconds of fuel remaining. The estimated 600 million people from around the world watched the moon landing live and cheered when they heard the word. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Only later did details come out regarding how precarious the situation was. This year marks the 50-year anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission, when Neil Armstrong stepped onto the surface of the moon and uttered the immortal words, That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Fellow astronaut Buzz Aldrin and 10 other men over the course of three and a half years followed in his footsteps, but Armstrong was the first. The last pair to do so were in December of 1972. Conspiracy buffs deny the manned landings, and there's probably nothing that will persuade them otherwise. But virtually every objection has been shot down and numerous independent confirmations from around the world attest to the fact of the six landings. One of the strongest confirmations comes from Russia. Russia has never disputed the fact, even though this was a major public relations achievement for the United States, and it signaled Russia losing the space race in the middle of the Cold War. If anyone would have known it to be a fraud, they would, through their technologies and spy systems. Furthermore, hundreds, even thousands of people would have had to be in on such a hoax. After nearly half a century, a 47-year-long intermission, one may wonder why it's taken mankind so long to continue this great adventure. At the time of the first landings, there was a feeling among many that this was the beginning of man exploring the universe. After all, didn't Neil Armstrong suggest this as he stepped on the moon with the words, one giant leap for mankind. But in many respects, it appears that the giant leap has been put on hold. We're now seeing a revival in interest to go where no one has gone before. Other nations are getting in on the act with Japan, India, and China considering manned missions to the moon. Private companies are building rockets and opening up opportunities for space tourism. There's even talk about going to Mars.
In 2013, Mars One, a private Dutch company, began advertising for a one-way trip to the Red Planet to begin a colony. They claimed they had as many as 200,000 eager volunteers from around the world, with a short list of 100 selected to embark on the journey as early as 2023. Skeptics believe the whole enterprise to be a scam as the technology simply is not there at this time. According to The Verge, Mars One filed for bankruptcy on January 15, 2019, giving credence to the skeptics' claims. Whether it's a scam or the result of over-optimism remains to be seen. What it does highlight is that space travel is not as easy as many think. It's costly, it's complicated, and it's dangerous. And these factors help explain the 47-year hiatus. What is man's destiny? Why were we born? Will we eventually explore faraway galaxies? The answers will likely surprise you. Man's destiny was recorded in advance and can be discovered in our publication, Your Ultimate Destiny. Your Ultimate Destiny explains the very meaning of life and shows that our future is so much greater than you can possibly imagine. You need this resource. So call for your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny. And when I come back after this short break, I'll discuss the question, Go to the Moon. What on earth for? Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Call now. 1-800-236-0531. Call toll free now or write to us at the address on your screen or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Then be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. Reality set in following the first manned moon landings. The cost and effort to travel to the moon, much less to other planets and galaxies, makes the value of space travel questionable. One Apollo moon mission was scrubbed as being unnecessary, and three others canceled due to cost. Over time, the public has learned the lesson that traveling beyond our borders can be dangerous. Both Russia and the United States have experienced multiple deaths in attempts to explore regions above our atmosphere. And Israel lost an astronaut when Space Shuttle Columbia broke apart on re-entry. Numerous near misses that the public is mostly unaware of attest to the dangers of these adventures. To go where no man has gone before, especially beyond the bounds of Earth's gravity, is never easy and always dangerous. Yet there's a lure of the unknown. Exploration is in the heart of man, and there will always be daring men and women willing to risk it all to explore the unknown. Who can fault those courageous individuals and the experiences they've had? As a Telegraph of London article put it, 
Twelve Americans were lucky enough to visit a landscape described by an awestruck Aldrin as beautiful, beautiful, magnificent desolation. Yes, magnificent, but desolation. Space is an alien environment for man. No planet in our solar system is designed for life as is planet Earth. In his book, Endurance, Scott Kelly describes his year-long adventure aboard the International Space Station with a sense of realism. We see pictures of men and women floating in zero gravity inside the station, but hear little about the problem of CO2 buildup that causes headaches and dullness of mind. We see astronauts floating about like George Clooney and Sandra Bullock in gravity, but that fiction is far from reality. Sitting in a terribly uncomfortable suit in a cramped position for hours in preparation for a spacewalk is not something conveyed well in a 90-minute movie. Kelly shows that working in space is not always as glamorous as it appears. Riding atop tons of volatile solid and liquid fuel rockets is incredibly dangerous. This is something I viewed firsthand living at Vandenberg Air Force Base on the California coast in the early 1960s. When a missile was launched, it was a scramble out the door, whether at home or at school. The rumble, the sound, and the sight at a relatively close range are something to behold. And as teenagers, we were never disappointed when one malfunctioned and blew up, or had to be blown up if it went off course. At that age, we didn't pay taxes, and the explosions beat the best fireworks displays. While all the launches from the West Coast were unmanned, the volatility of mixing liquid oxygen with a fuel source are the same. A lot can and does go wrong. Taking risks is part of life. You take risks every day whether you think of it that way or not. There's a risk something can go wrong every time you get into a car, a bus, a train, or a plane. You take a risk when the doctor operates on you and according to television ads, you take risks any time you take the latest medicine. After the ad for the wonderful medicine, complete with smiling faces and a happy dog, come the warnings. And then the next ad is from a law firm seeking individuals to join in a class action suit against a pharmaceutical company for yesterday's wonder medicine gone awry. Even eating carries with it risks, food poisoning or choking. In the next portion of our program, we'll look at the benefits and the dark side of space exploration. But first, let me remind you of one of the most important resources we could ever offer. Is there anything more important than knowing why you are here on Earth? What is the purpose of life, and why were you born? Your ultimate destiny will surprise, even shock you. Mankind's purpose is not what most people think. You need this resource, so order your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny. And I'll be back in 15 seconds to explain the benefits and the dark side of space exploration. So don't go away. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. When it comes to going into space, most of us prefer to keep our feet solidly on the ground. 
Space travel calls for a special kind of risk taker. That's why many early astronauts were former test pilots. They like living on the edge and enjoy the adrenaline rush. It can't be easy for family members to live with such individuals, always wondering what new way their relative has found to kill himself. Parents, wives, and children are left behind, no doubt appreciating the fame and notoriety that comes from intimately knowing someone so adventuresome. But one must wonder what children think when they grow up without a mother or father who chased after their dream. In the end, we must again ask, what on planet Earth for? Clearly, many inventions are the result of the space program. Much progress miniaturizing and strengthening computers is a direct result. New materials are created, discovered, and applied in more mundane ways. We know more about the universe around us, and we can thank space exploration for communication satellites. One might suggest that life is better as a result, but is it really? And does it require men and women risking their lives? Have we forgotten that we lived quite nicely prior to smartphones and satellite navigation? These are nice, but are they necessary? What possible knowledge will we discover that makes any eternal difference in our lives here below? Have we learned to get along better as a result? One could point to the International Space Station and show how individual astronauts from former enemy nations work together in harmony. And that's true. Let's come closer to home. How has space exploration improved relationships between husbands and wives, parents and children, and neighbors? The answer is obvious, not at all. The Apollo 11 astronauts left a plaque on the lunar surface, a message from President Richard Nixon. Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D. We came in peace for all mankind. But is that the real reason? Or was there another motive for going to the moon and for space exploration in general? Why was it that it was called the space race during the Cold War between the Soviet Union and the United States? Was there more than pride on the line by being the first to the moon? Some decry the militarization of space but space was militarized from the beginning. That's what the space race was all about. Going to the moon captured the attention of the public, but gaining the strategic high ground of space was the game played between the two superpowers. From the very beginning, military interests were intertwined with exploring our surroundings. Sputnik was cute, but far from the whole story of what satellites were about. The public was enamored over moonwalks and microgravity, but behind it all were military experiments and missions. While men were going to the moon from Cape Canaveral, on the other side of the continent, Vandenberg was launching satellites to spy on Russia. And we're naive to think they did not do the same on America. Missiles tested multiple reentry systems where a single rocket could deliver multiple nuclear warheads. Today, satellites hover overhead to guide drones and target smart bombs. That's why any future war will start in space, with each nation trying to destroy the other's command and control satellites. 
Now we have a call for a new branch of the American military, a Space Force, where military astronauts prepare to fight from the ultimate high ground. What we fundamentally see in space exploration is an extension of mankind's differences playing out on a new frontier as each power strives to gain and maintain the upper hand. Mankind is looking for answers in all the wrong places. Our fundamental problems are right here on planet Earth. Unless or until human nature is changed, war remains the primary way we settle our differences. All that space exploration does is change the battlefield. How is it that we can explore the moon but cannot understand why we are here on Earth? Is there no purpose for human existence? Or if so, why can't we discover it? You need not be in the dark. Why you were born can be discovered, and it's been here all along. Your ultimate destiny documents what the future holds for mankind. You need this resource. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. My dear friends, don't you want to discover the true meaning of life? If so, give us a call or go to our website for your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny. And I'll be right back to reveal an invader from space who will shock the world when he shows up in the near future. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Call now, 1-800-236-0531. Call toll free now or write to us at the address on your screen or visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Then be sure to go to tomorrowsworld.org forward slash digital. Have a digital subscription sent right to your email inbox faster than postal mail. Visit us online now. Space exploration captures our imagination. Children see images that encourage dreams to go where few have gone before. Television news and motion pictures glamorize spacewalks and floating gravity free. Seeing Earth from space has to be the ultimate vacation hotspot. Who doesn't want to float in microgravity? But what about the nausea and vomiting that usually accompanies the adjustment? The Martian is entertaining, but far from reality. Men and women walking about on faraway planets without wearing diapers or nappies and protective suits and oxygen tanks capture our imagination. But sitting in uncomfortable positions for hours fails the fun test. The greatest truth to the Star Wars saga is found in its title. I would never knock the courage of those risk takers who do what most of us will never do in this life. The human race needs risk takers, but one does have to wonder about the sanity of anyone who thinks a one-way ticket to Mars is a good idea. Our problems and our challenges are here on Earth. Going elsewhere to start all over will solve none of our fundamental problems. Human nature, 
selfish desire, pride, hurt feelings, hatred, and resulting violence will be our travel companions. Over 2,700 years ago, an ancient prophet described the nature of man. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Who can argue against such an observation? Thousands of years have proved the prophet to be correct. Another prophet appeared more than 700 years later, and he predicted what was not possible at that time, but is possible now. Not only is it possible, but according to that prophet, it will happen except for an intervention from space. Yes, man will come to the place where all life can be destroyed from planet Earth. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But those days will be shortened. With such a prospect, you might be tempted to consider that a colony on Mars may not be such a bad idea. But all that will do is transfer our problems to a new battleground. Many find it incredible to believe that peace will come. But it will, just not the way we expect. The solution will come from the one who made that prediction because he is more than a prophet. Isaiah predicted the time in the future when that Savior would return from heaven above to rescue us from our destructive ways. And when that happens, many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Space exploration fascinates us. Going to the moon and returning safely shows the spirit and the daring of man. But in the end, we must ask, what on planet Earth for? It surely did not and will not bring harmony here below. Peace will come, but it will not be as a result of man's scientific discoveries, whether in space or here on Earth. Earth is man's home, and this Earth is where peace will finally come. Be sure to order your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny. Learn why you were born. We invite you to join us every week on Tomorrow's World or online anytime. Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I, along with guest presenter Rod McNair, will continue to share with you the teachings of Jesus Christ, the good news of the coming kingdom of God, and the exciting end-time prophecies and their meaning. So be sure to join us again next week right here at the same time. Until then, May the peace of God the Father and Jesus Christ be with you. 
To take advantage of today's free offer or view today's program now or anytime, go to tomorrowsworld.org. Find us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.